0: Well, good morning, church family. It's so good to be with you today. Those of you who are here in person, as well as those of you who are worshiping with us online. I read a story this past week about a young man who was appointed president of a bank. And he was super nervous as he started his job. So he nervously went to his gray-haired predecessor and asked, Sir, what has been the secret of your success? Well, the older man looked at him and he said, The secret young man is two words. Right decisions. But how do I make right decisions? And the older man replied, one word, experience. But how how do you get experience? And the old man smiled, two words, wrong decisions. (laughs) Have you ever racked up that kind of experience? (laughs) This is the final week of our sermon series about the apostle Peter And as we see Peter towards the end of his life, I can see him saying something similar. The sermon series, as Arthur mentioned, is called Rocky Road in part because Jesus gave Simon the nickname Peter, which means rock, but also because our lives can sometimes feel like a rocky road with all of the different challenges that we face. And we've seen that Peter didn't always live up to his name. We saw him courageously walk on water, and then we saw him begin to sink when his trust in Jesus wavered. We saw Peter deny Jesus three times, and then we saw Jesus graciously restore him. Two words, wrong decisions, that led to one word, experience, that led to two words, right decisions. And last week, we saw Peter standing on more solid ground in his sermon at Pentecost, As he connected the coming of the Holy Spirit with what was promised in Scripture. And this week, we're going to fast forward to about as close as we can get in the Apostle Peter's life. At the end of his story. And we're going to see how the experiences that we've seen so far have shaped the person that Peter has become. And the legacy that he will pass on to those around him. So listen as I read... 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. May God bless the reading of this word. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest game, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, it's like a voice from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. (laughs) I'm sorry to make a joke in the reading of scripture. I just couldn't help it. (laughs) Have you ever thought about where you will be five, 10, 20 years from now, and the kind of legacy that you want to build. I was thinking this week about movies and then their sequels where we get to see the characters much later on in life and the difference that this gap in time has made. You've got Luke Skywalker in the early Star Wars films and then the much older Luke later on in The Force Awakens. Or think about the animated character of Andy from the movie Toy Story and a much older Andy who goes to college in Toy Story 4. And of course, the new big one this summer with Top Gun and the new release Maverick. Although I'm not sure Tom Cruise looks any older the second time (laughs) around, it's not fair really. Well, what do we gain by looking back and looking forward? We get to see the trajectory of how our past has impacted our present and how we want our present to shape our future and the kind of legacy that we will leave. Well, today we see Peter at the end of his life and ministry. He's now an elder. He's older, and he's walked with God for some time now. He's no longer the young Luke Skywalker. Now he's got the gray hair and the wisdom that come with experience. Peter's gone through pain, lapses of faith, and hard lessons, and the Lord has brought him through. But it wasn't all pain. Peter walked with Jesus He saw thousands of people coming to faith. He got to be part of the exponential growth of the early church. And all of these things have shaped Peter's legacy. Not only that, but Peter has discovered the beauty of his calling, which ultimately is to be an under-shepherd to the great shepherd. Now, Peter's story gives hope to each and every one of us. No matter what regrets and failures lie in our past, we follow the one who redeems us and restores us. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our stories, and he's called each one of us to useful service in God's kingdom. Now, all of us have different gifts and callings, and not all of them are to be church leaders like Peter. Probably most of us are not called to that, but all of us are called to pass on the goodness and grace that we received from Jesus. And so as we look at Peter's legacy today, Let's ask ourselves, what will be my kingdom legacy? Think about it. What will be my kingdom legacy? How is God calling me to use the gifts, skills, and experiences that God has given me to serve the church and the world? As Larry mentioned in our uh, sermon last week, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives means that we can do away with any of those things that we think might disqualify us. None of us is too old or too young. None of us lack the required degrees and training. None of us has a past that disqualifies us. All of us are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, equipped by the work of the Holy Spirit, and sent out by God to do God's work. But God doesn't send us out on our own and empty-handed. As we live into our kingdom legacy, there are three essential gifts that God gives us to make that possible. The first gift that God gives us is the gift of role models. Look with me at verse one. To the elders among you. Now don't tune out here, even if you're not ready to rock some gray hairs yet. All of us have a little life experience under our belts, with the possible exception of those in the nursery today. But Peter didn't just write a separate letter just to the elders of the church or just to uh, those with the title of church leader. This letter was sent to the congregation as a whole. It was meant to be read out loud to everyone there. So while he's addressing church leaders, I think Peter knew his audience. He deliberately chose to make his instructions broadly applicable to anyone with a position of influence. And if you're in this room and not in the nursery, I think that means you, as well as those of you watching online. So Peter begins with an appeal. Now, this is more than just a kind request. Peter is urging them, strongly encouraging them, begging them. It's a little bit like that memo that you receive from work around Christmas time, asking you to donate to the United Way. There's a bit of muscle behind the request. But before he gets into the details, Peter takes a moment to set up the context. Peter calls himself a fellow elder. He could play the trump card and pull rank. I mean, Peter is also an apostle. But Peter draws on the authority of his shared experience, not on the authority of his position. He establishes a level playing field from the beginning. And as he prepares to leave a legacy to these fellow elders who will come after him, Peter traces his legacy back to its origins. Not only is Peter a fellow elder, but he's also a fellow witness of Christ's sufferings. Jesus had warned the disciples that suffering as a Christian was inevitable. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And Peter and his fellow elders were seeing this firsthand. There was widespread persecution going on during that time for Christians. So Peter connects the dots of their shared experience to Jesus, his role model, And that shared experience means that they also share in the hope of his glory as well. Now take a moment to think about it. Visual aids kindly provided by my children. Just like the links in a chain, Peter traces his legacy back to Jesus. What an incredible gift to have Jesus as a role model, not just for Peter, but for each of us. We aren't just hanging out there all on our own. Peter reminds us that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, our great shepherd. And then of course, there are other links in the chain. Peter says the legacy chain started with Jesus, but the chain keeps on going. Peter was redeemed and called by Jesus to pass on the goodness and grace that he received to others. So Peter continued the legacy by serving as a role model himself. He's faithfully invested in the lives of other Christians, including these fellow elders. And now he appeals to them to continue the chain. This chain doesn't end with Peter serving as a role model, but Peter calls on those believers to also serve as role models for those who will come after them, to pass on the gift of role models to others. Now, before we move on, I want us to think about our own link in the legacy chain. First of all, how are you following in the footsteps of Jesus, our role model? And then second, who has God gifted you as a role model in your kingdom legacy? Now, maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home or in a church family, but all of us are here now surrounded in this room by others who are walking this journey of faith and at all different stages in the journey. What can we learn from their stories and from their lives? This is one of the beautiful benefits of being in a grow group. We get to build friendships and to dig into God's word together with others who are walking the same journey of faith at all different stages in the journey. They have different life experiences and different things to teach us. This is also one of the blessings of being in a multi-generational church. We can learn from those who have gone before us. Last week I heard a cool story from Jim Mustaine, one of our missionaries who's serving just north of us in the city of Louisville. Back in 2016, I had the blessing of getting to be present when Jim received the volunteer of the year award from communities and schools. Jim has launched several initiating, uh, mentoring initiatives at a number of different schools. And that year in 2016, Jim was mentoring a young man by the name of Cameron who was in the fourth grade. Now today Cameron is a junior in high school and he's serving on the student council. And this year, Cameron is going to have the opportunity to mentor someone younger than him as well. Isn't it so cool to see the links of the chain? Jim mentored Cameron, and now Cameron is continuing the legacy by mentoring someone younger. Now, each of us is a link in the chain, learning from those role models who have gone before us. But just like we said with Peter, let's not let the chain end there. Part of the gift of role models in God's kingdom is the gift keeps on giving. We have an incredible opportunity to serve as role models to others. Now, maybe that's with your peers, with people in your grow group, with your neighbors, with your fellow co-workers or classmates, and maybe it's influencing the next generation, whether that be your own children or younger couples, or by serving in our children's or student ministry. All of us are called to build our kingdom legacy by sharing as role models with others. And as we keep adding links to the chain, the gift keeps on giving. Together, we become fellow sharers in glory, as Paul has said, proclaiming the hope that we have in Christ. Now, along with the gift of role models, we're given another important gift. We are given the gift, the blessing of participating in God's kingdom. We'll call this the gift of responsibility. Now, think back to when you were in preschool or elementary school. How many of you got a chance to serve as a line leader? This is a huge and really exciting responsibility, right? As a kid, you get to lead your classmates, the whole line of them, to wherever you need to go. You lead them to PE, you lead them to the cafeteria, yes, or the best one, to recess. And perhaps more importantly, the whole class is looking to you as an example. Now you have the relief of knowing that someone else, the teacher, is carrying the real burden of classroom management, but you get to have a kid-sized part. What a tremendous honor. I don't know a single kid who dreads being the line leader. My kids love getting to be the line leader. They see it as a real gift. Now Peter says that God has blessed us with a similar gift of responsibility. Look at verse two. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Now, maybe a shepherd is not the most familiar image for us today. I don't know if any shepherds are here in the DFW Metroplex, do you? But throughout the Bible, we see this image of a shepherd. It was very familiar to them in these rural farming communities. It wasn't necessarily a glamorous job. It was sweaty, stinky work. They would spend all day outdoors. They would get up close and personal with the animals making sure they had food and water, protecting them from dangers, and keeping them from wandering astray. And the shepherd would spend so much time with the sheep that he couldn't lead them simply with the sound of his voice. So when a shepherd would take his sheep into a water down to a watering hole, they would mingle with all the other herds that were there at the watering hole. And I think this would make me panic. I can't tell one sheep from another, much less my hundred from somebody else's hundred sheep. But... As soon as it was time to go, the shepherd would call the sheep, and the ones that were his would recognize his call and follow. Now, I heard a fascinating story a few weeks ago. During my sabbatical, I did a week-long prayer retreat at Subiaco Abbey, which is a monastery in Arkansas. And I watched the sun rise and set each day from the guesthouse patio, which looked over a huge field of cattle. And that's not a postcard, by the way, that's from my iPhone. I got to see that beauty with my own eyes. All right, now I know I'm mixing my metaphor because this story is about cattle and not sheep, but it's too good not to share. So the monks, in addition to devoting their days to prayer and scripture, each of them had a job to do at the abbey. Not too long ago, one of the elderly monks um, who took care of the cows passed away. And he was buried in this beautiful cemetery that you can see here in my picture, which is right next to the cow pasture. And as the monk was lowered into the ground... The other monks were shocked to see the entire herd of cattle making their way across the field. Their loud moos calling out to the one who had taken care of them day after day and year after year. That's what a shepherd looks like. That's the charge that Jesus gave to Peter and that Peter passes on. We are called to care for others in the same way that Christ has cared for us. And we don't carry out this responsibility just out of our own knowledge and strength. Just as the class line leader serves under the teacher, we serve as under shepherds for God's flock, following the great shepherd, Jesus. I'm always comforted by the words of Psalm 23, which begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We can hold on to this promise that Jesus is our great shepherd. And he gives us everything we need to do the job to which he's called us. We lack nothing. And we don't have to chart our own course. He leads us. He guides us along the right paths. And when we grow weary or lose our will or our strength, he refreshes and restores us. Now, we mentioned earlier that this uh, gift of serving as a shepherd is not just for those of us with pastor in our job title. The job of a shepherd is to lead the sheep, and the job of shepherd is to feed the sheep and to watch over the sheep and to take care of the sheep. So whether you consider yourself a leader or a feeder, you're doing the work of a shepherd. You could say that Jesus, the good shepherd, is employing all of us. God is calling each of us to live out that responsibility in different ways. As Baptists, we believe in something that we like to call the priesthood of the believer, and that means two equally important things. Each of us has direct access to God and direct responsibility from God. So we're not routing our prayers through holy men and women, and we're not sitting back and watching holy men and women serving on the front lines. Each of us is called and set apart and equipped to do the work of a minister. Not everybody's called to do it in the same way, but God has given each of us a responsibility for kingdom service. Now, I can't tell you what a joy and privilege it is to watch You do this in so many different beautiful ways. Just last week, I had to make a pretty big ask. We had a voicemail from someone in the community, someone I'd never met, who wanted to come to our church, but who needed a ride. Thankfully, God brought to mind a VRBC member who lived nearby, who's constantly inviting and bringing new people to church here. So I called her, and I don't think I'll ever forget what she told me. She said, I would love to do it. She said, I may not be able to preach like you or John or Larry. I may not be able to teach like my Grow Group leader. There's a lot of other things I can't do as well as someone else. But I love to serve and bring people to church. And I am so glad you called. Please call me again anytime you need something like this. And so last Sunday, we had a brand new guest because one of you had a heart for serving in this way. Now Peter cautions us next that motives matter. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. See, shepherding is not just a get or done kind of job because sometimes it happens. People sign up to serve, but maybe their attitude is lackluster. They're beleaguered and grudging, Or they're greedy and looking for what they can get out of it. Or they're bossy and they just like ordering people around. But if we see this responsibility as the gift that it truly is, just like taking our turn at being the line leader, we can experience real joy from it. I mean, just like the teacher could probably do her job without appointing someone to serve as line leader, God could do everything that needs to be done without our help. But God gives us this gift of being useful in God's kingdom, so that we can experience the deep joy that comes from serving as an under-shepherd. So Christ gives us the gift of responsibility, of meaningful service in God's kingdom, and we have the opportunity to carry that out willingly, eagerly, and in the pattern of Jesus. And then we come to the final gift that we look forward to, which is the gift of reward. Now, I know what you may be thinking. This is a trick. We just spent a long time talking about motives, and you already told me it's not about what we can get out of it, right? Right? And of course, I wasn't trying to trick you, but that's absolutely true. We serve without any expectation of getting something back. But there is comfort in knowing that when the job seems messy or hard or thankless, the chief shepherd sees it. And not only does the chief shepherd see it, but he will ultimately reward it. And that gift can keep us serving with great joy. Verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. One day, our chief shepherd will appear. We won't know when to expect it. Sometimes I wish I knew when so that I could make sure I was in tip-top shape, spiritually speaking. I think waiting for the day of the Lord's return is a bit like a school teacher anticipating when her principal will stop by to observe and evaluate her. Even a teacher who's consistently known for her quality teaching is going to feel the pressure to do a really smashing job that day. If she knows when it's going to happen, she'll probably pull out all the stops and be focused on her own performance and the results. She'll prepare a lesson that is truly dazzling, which might look nothing like the lessons that she teaches every other day. But if she doesn't know when the observation will be, then she focuses each day on doing her level best. She teaches well because she's called to do it, because she believes in it, and because on the best of days, it brings her great joy. This is how it is for us as under shepherds, as we follow the chief shepherd. We know that one day Jesus will come back and we will receive the reward of those who have followed in the chief shepherd's footsteps. Of those who serve faithfully and without fanfare, those that God has called them to serve. And just like a crown that was given in those days to a winning athlete or to a military victor, we will know the glory of being accepted by God and having been useful in God's kingdom. And that's no short-lived success. That is a powerful legacy. How often do you think about the legacy that you will pass on to those around you? I want to close this sermon today by telling you about the most memorable funeral I have ever been to. The weird thing was, it was for a man who hadn't actually died. His name was Ralph McIntyre, but everybody called him Granddaddy Mac, And he was one of the most loved people I have ever known because he loved everybody else so well. Now, Granddaddy Mac was getting older and his health was starting to fail. And everyone knew that the end wasn't going to be too long in coming. And I don't remember whose idea it was or how it came about. I suppose somebody was thinking ahead to the incredible things that everybody was going to say at Granddaddy Mac's funeral. And then they thought, what a shame it was that he wouldn't be there to get to hear it. So they decided to go ahead and do it beforehand. So we gathered in our church in small town, Tennessee, and Granddaddy Mac's friends came uh, to pay him honor, just like a funeral, except the man we were there to honor was sitting on the front row together with all of his family. It was the happiest funeral I've ever attended and one of the most meaningful. Person after person, from the very old to the very young, got up and spoke about the impact that Granddaddy Mac had made on their life. He was a man who knew the goodness and grace of God and he passed it on to everyone who had the joy of knowing him, including a very young Amy and Chris, by the way. (laughs) If you had the privilege of attending your own funeral, what would you want people to say? Friends, now is our chance to receive God's good gifts of role models, of our shared responsibility in God's kingdom and of the promise of reward that awaits us. So let's build a kingdom legacy together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we have the privilege of walking in your footsteps, of serving under the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. Lord, we're so grateful for the suffering and the sacrifice that you endured on our behalf. And Lord, we are grateful for the gift of being participants in your kingdom now. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see the role models around us and to be willing to serve as role models to those around us as well. And Lord, ultimately, we are so grateful that we can look ahead to the one who sees us and who knows us, and that ultimately we will have the privilege of not only being in your presence, but of being told we've done a job well. And so, God, we are grateful for the legacy that you have handed down to us and ask that you would help us to live out that legacy well. It's all in the name of Jesus, our chief shepherd, we pray. Amen.